You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, great to see you again. Super excited to have a wonderful guest this week. So why don't you introduce Tom to everyone? So very excited to introduce our guest today, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I'm going to butcher it, and I didn't ask prior to the episode. So Tom, what is your last name? Last name is Bankstall. Bankstall. All right. So Tom is a visionary, servant leader, chief executive officer at Visionary United. Throughout his career, he has been a lecturer, writer, consultant, associate visionary practice owner, and team leader. Starting with the Vichnir ownership in 1999, he currently leads a practice group of 15 practices and four boarding daycare grooming centers with over 250 employees in southeastern Michigan. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for finding the time. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, and I've always enjoyed your podcast and looking forward to spending some time with you guys today. Well, thank you for being a listener. And I want to open up with the sort of first thing that excites me about this conversation is that you're a big proponent of people first. And last three years, Ryan and I spent sort of trying to consult different groups on how to put people first and the purpose and all of those things. And I feel like we slightly failed at that. But what we see with the groups that are not private equity backed, that they have actually a little bit of a different focus and they do grow with that. So can you open up with that and tell us a little more about how do you run your organization? How do you put people first in it? Absolutely. So well, I'll start with no failure, only feedback, right? So uh, there was no fail, Ivan, on that. So I think people is about understanding people, right? And I think that we have to start there, right? So if we can help people understand people, that's our first step. And so, you know, that kind of really led me on that path of understanding people. And so that led me into NLP. NLP is kind of a, you know, a fun neuro-linguistic programming. Everybody looks at you square-eyed when you say that. But it's really about helping understand, you know, how people think, right? And the pen is not the pen. So everybody has their perspective and their view. And, you know, I think we have to pause a minute, be present and think about that from a perspective standpoint. But, you know, in my opinion, everything is about people, right? So if we can help each other learn how to communicate, you know, one of our big things, you know, as an example on the floor, you know, when we're in frustration, helping people to understand there's two pathways from that, right? One is curiosity. How do we go there? So asking great how and what questions, helping people explore and be present and be curious. The other one is negative emotional state, right? So which is, you know, anger, shame, guilt, fear. And those are good. That's fine. I mean, states are states, right? So I think it's more important we understand the feelings and work through them. I'll sidetrack that for one second so you guys can pull me back. But I think we're coaching veterinarians to compartmentalize emotion. And I'm not a big fan of that, right? Because I think what goes in must come out, right? Whether it's today, whether it's next week, next month, next year, or never. I just think we need to acknowledge emotion, right? So and work through emotion, you know, emotion, energy and motion, you know, we need to ride through those emotions and emotional states. And so helping people to understand that feelings are healthy, acknowledging them, talking about them. I think that that's important. I also think helping people to understand people, right? So one of the things we do at Vet United, we go through predictive index kind of in our screening, right? Helps us understand values and beliefs. But we also do something called canine colors. And so our teams kind of break into four primary colors. So, you know, blues are our feelers, greens are our thinkers, oranges are our creative chaotics. You know, if you want to figure something out, ask an orange. And golds are our detail oriented. And so, you know, we didn't want that just to be a screening process. And so how do we take everything we do to people you know, and what can we do with that for impact? And so um, we actually have what we call culture bracelets across all our locations. And when we bring team on, they all wear the color of the bracelets, also got kind of our core values or an impact statement. So if you're walking on the floor with a team, you know your team, right? So you might be working with a blue team, definitely want to ask them how they feel about it, maybe share a coffee, 
Yeah, if you got a gold team, you better not be late because they expect you at 9.01, not at 9 o'clock. So I think the more we can help people understand and understand each other and value each other, I think that's really important. And I guess lastly to that statement, so remember that you know if we're working on results, those are the things, but they're not the people, right? I think so often we go to the people and evaluate the people where in reality, you know, if we're not getting the results, you want focus on results and then move your results, right? So, but don't make it personal. When we make it personal, then we make it about judgments and, you know, judging through values and beliefs. So, yeah. So I guess those are a couple of opening thoughts, right? So, uh, and we'll go from that, throw that back. So I'm just unpacking everything. I'm still on and non-linguistic programming. That's where my brain first started spinning around. So will you just explain, that's not a term that I'm familiar with. Would you explain that just in high level and then man there's a ton of other things for, the, for us to go into there but yeah start with that because i think that might be hopefully a term other people haven't heard as well yeah i think neural right refers to kind of the brain or the mind and kind of how we process through our five senses you know linguistic is the language and verbal or nonverbal communication we use and then kind of how we use that and develop our strategies or the programs that we're going to do with that information right so and if you flip it right you can look at people that are you know if they're doing really well what are they doing right so how do you model that right probably one of the most famous nlp directed people is going to be like a Tony Robbins. I mean, he uses some of those techniques. So, but really, um, when you come down to that, it's really about that, right? So what are the strategies that you use that lead you into getting the results that you want, and then understanding how you get there, right? And so, you know, for me, that's kind of how I, you know, unpack that a little bit. And it also really gets into also, you know, acknowledging how you connect to people on those different levels, right? That one of the tenets is the map is not the territory. That's kind of the same principle of the pen is not the pen, you know, a sunrise is different to everybody, right? Because you've connected that with experiences and with feelings and visually. So, you know, NLP kind of takes you into that. And there's some other pieces of that, right? Matching people consciously and unconsciously and being self-aware of that. So, you know, whether it's techniques or, you know, just acknowledging that everybody you know, has built programs, what you're seeing in their behaviors come from, you know, the words that have been gone in and then connected into feeling and processed and stored. And, you know, did they get the results and the strategies that they're looking for? So that's very interesting, you know, and there's a couple of things that you said that are radically different from what we've seen across the groups that are scale faster through the private equity backing. The interesting thought that came to mind when you were talking about this is that that's what they're lacking. And I think that the scalability of most organization is in the proper culture and the purpose driven. And then I don't think that they do that. So how do you see that in a sort of independent group? And can you see that being a driver of scale? I know there's financial and, you know, fiscal drivers of scale. And it would be interesting to talk how you guys look at that as an independent group. But then also, do you see that that is a higher scalable framework to move people along with you rather than, you know, anything else? In my opinion, yes. Right. So I think, you know, we talked a little bit about my end goal at the end of the day. What would be successful is that, you know, we create an environment in which we've given our tools to our teams where they can, at the end of the day, choose happy, right? Outside of whatever happened, you know, they have the tools, the resources, and the understanding to make that choice of emotion to choose happy. So I think, you know, that if you can scale that, right? I personally think that's a secret sauce, right? So if we look at positive psychology, right? It's always don't, you know, use success as your marker to be happy, be happy, and then you develop success. And so if we can take teams and, you know, and what I try to do with NLP is break that down into chunks. And then, you know, I talk to site leaders weekly, and then we have an in-person all day monthly. And, you know, part of that is always engaged in that, right? Because where we take our thinking is where we go, right? Can or can't, your choice, that's going to happen. 
So, you know, I think sometimes it's even bringing it for like new teams to the very basics, right? We don't go in and go, hey, we're going to coach NLP. But what we will say is, you know, everybody's frustrated and, you know, everything is broken and we don't come in and say, hey, everything's a generalization, right? Generalizations aren't solvable. They get tied up in your brain. No, right? I mean, some of that is leading by example where, you know, what specifically is broken, right? So, or sometimes it's just everything and just the tonation you use with the teams. And so, Working them through that. And then there's a couple of keys, right? We do try to get teams, if we're going to ask each other questions, you know, I will focus a little bit on let's ask each other how and what, right? Because if you ask why, it's about people's values and you better be prepared to tap into those, right? So when you ask that question, make it good or be, you know, value driven. And I think that just some of those basic tools of helping people, I mean, it's great working with the new hospital and seeing that aha moment when everybody's like, you know, oh, this is broken and nobody does this and everything is this. And I was like, holy moly. And my brain, they use, you know, 15 generalizations in three sentences. Nobody fixes that. <laughs> that is a recipe for generalized frustration, right? And if they don't have the tools to go somewhere with that or step into being grateful or doing something different, you know, they're just going to be chronically frustrated, right? So I think those are really important. You know, when we talk about scale, we're actually up to 18 hospitals now. You know, yeah, how do you amplify that, right? I mean, is it working? Yes. How do you amplify it? And so is that just in site leaders and in leaders? You know, can we do a better job with tools? I'll share kind of a funny joke, right? I'm, I'm being transparent. So I'm signed up for a positive psychology certificate program. It starts in January. And my chief operating officer is like, Dr. B, do you have four hours a week we can carve out when we're you know, doing all this other stuff? And, you know, for me, though, it's what makes it different, right? Her suggestion, I trained him too well, right? Well, hey, how can we do that differently? What if we hired a positive psychology coach at Vet United, right? So and we're actually looking into doing that. So, you know, I feel that for us is where we're going to focus on. And, you know, again, where you put your focus, your thinking and your energy, therefore you go. So for us, we're making that a priority because it's not about choosing optimistic or choosing happy. It's truly helping people break through some significant barriers. If you take that one thing about generalization or sometimes you take that one thing that, you know, there's no failure, only feedback, right? Or we didn't get the results we want. How are we going to change the strategy? It's now about results and strategy and not about a team that's broken or somebody that's not doing their job. So I really try to take the person part out. And kind of another tenet that's always resonated with me is every person does the best they can with the resources they have in the moment that they make that decision. And that's a stopper, right? Like, boom, right? And so, and I think that that's really imperative and it gives a deeper level of understanding and empathy and it helps us shift into, hey, we're not getting the results. How will we change the strategy? So for me, I think if my goal at the end of all of this, years and years to come, right, is, you know, an employee-owned company that, you know, at the end of the day, everybody chooses happy, then, you know, we have to make that a focus, right? And I mean, is scalability perfect every day? Absolutely not. You know, what about teams where it's, you know, you've got the resistance and you've got people that live in generalizations and deletions and, you know, maybe a little bit of that shame and blame culture, you know, steering them sometimes is a little bit trickier, right? But, you know, the higher our leadership, the more coaching is engaged. So, you know, they know what to do, right? If you go into a blue team, you're going to ask people how they feel about it, right? If you're going into a green team, you're asking them how they, you know, what they think about. So, you know, it's just being appreciative, I think. And in that, you're valuing the other person to a different level, right? And, you know, we're all human beings. I think that's the leveling field. It doesn't matter day one or day 22 years, you know, DVM or new client ambassador. I think we're all human beings. And so if we can put that in as a leveling field and be compassionate and tap into that present EQ state and then help train the tools to keep people curious, I think that's, you know, pretty powerful. And, you know, how we scale that is, you know, always a work in progress. But I think as long as we keep that as our primary goal and that's in front of us, then, you know, everything we do kind of filters through that piece.
kind of on what you were saying, how do you scale that? So I want to just let anyone know, anyone that hasn't met Tom before, the amount of energy he has is always there. He is full energy all the time. And you would think that that's difficult to scale, right? You can have a really energetic and lively leader and executive running the team. But to get that across, first off, your whole executive team, and then filter that all the way from the top through all of your doctors, through all the technicians to the front desk and everything. I saw it when I met your executive team. Everyone's very energetic and excited about what you're doing. How do you think that you can scale the energy that you're putting out there right now and this positive thinking to every single person as you're at 18 clinics? It's a lot easier to just say, well, that's Dr. Banksell. He comes by, he gets, gets us really excited. But then when he leaves, you know, we go back to the status quo. What do you think is the scalability factor of, of trying to keep that going? Yeah, I think some of it is tools and leadership, right? So um, I think that picking the right leaders, you know, this might sound a little optimistic. But I think that when you put that kind of energy out there, and that is truly your passion, and that is truly where you're going, and that's truly how you feel you're going to change veterinary medicine, right? Because if we can change that on the front end, right, and make people feel self-valued and self-empowered, you know, my goal is that whether they stay with us now or go somewhere different, if I can touch their life personally and professionally in that way, that drives my passion. And you start to attract people to that. You know, our new director of operations is like that. The guy has as much energy as I do all day long, right? Like he's like, woo. And he goes, you know, I came here for that, right? That's what I came here for, right? We just brought on a new director of medical learning and, you know, Dr. Gerke's great guy. And, uh, you know, he's a board certified neurologist, right? I mean, he stepped out of neurology because he wants to do what we're doing full time with teams and make an impact in veterinary medicine. So I think if you raise the level of energy, right, and I think that if that's truly your passion, your goals, and I think people understand that, you know, I always have this weird thing about people over business, business over people, right? So I obviously have to run a business to have people. But if you really are passionate about your people and you really want to affect change for your people and that resonates, I think you start to attract people to the organization or to the team that have that same energy, right? And I think, Ryan, there's a few people maybe that don't come along, and then that's okay. Maybe they're not in the right time and the space to make that movement. But you know, I do think that you attract the energy that you put out. And so I think that over time, that builds into the leadership team and could build momentum rather than actually detracting from it. No, I can see. I haven't met your executive team. I can picture what they look like, at least from the energy perspective. I'm getting, I'm getting that from you now. At least uh, I can tell that they're probably drinking the same coffee. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, and lots of it. <laughs> so one thing that, and you know, it's interesting because it's always you said, you know, business over people, people over business. It's an interesting thing that we sort of preach is the uh, when you're managing, don't manage people, manage the process, and then don't look at you know people as it's dependent on them, but then what you said in the sort of our preparation notes about moving people to move the process. And I think those two things are very well connected. So if you empower people, if you let them to do things that they want to do and you create the communication structure around it, then you can truly manage process without thinking about feelings and everything else because people are sort of self-organized around that. I would be interested to pivot a little bit of a conversation and talk business. So as a independent group, what is the opportunity to grow and what is that organic growth driven by? Because you can't just go out and, you know, spend another 50 or $100 million acquiring practices, you need to grow organically. So when someone is thinking to continue that way, some, a lot of that started that way, and they're adding another practice, another practice, another, and then they're on this sort of, you know, momentum, do we kind of take money and run with everybody? Or do we grow organically? So I'm sure that crossed your mind. 
I'm sure you've been asked by many groups to be acquired. And what is that sort of growth opportunity as an independent practice versus backed by institutional investors? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think there's a few pieces to that as you build that out. So, you know, for me, really, it's about, again, being passionate about people, making that change is always having that vision in front and just holding a space, right? Like, yeah, we've been asked in all these different pieces, but it's really finding that alignment and what we want to do and what we're passionate about. So we're kind of, I always tell people, I, I mean, I love the corporate groups. I love independent practices. I think we're all on the same highway, just different lanes, and we can learn from each other. You know, but for me, it's about kind of holding that space for complete individual care and veterinary driven decision making. I think from the business side, I guess if I, you talk about my own personal frustrations, right, or frustrations in a curiosity, you know, I know there's people that know, right? And so as you're growing, sometimes you don't have the venture capital pieces or the financial investment sometimes to bring in people that have already done, you know, 200 practices. So when we're going from 18 to 22, you know, they kind of already have seen around the corner, right? And so I guess my frustration sometimes we'll figure it out, right? So we have great people, but there's probably some people that already know. So, you know, from a scalability resource piece, I think sometimes that's a key. Obviously, you've talked about lots in your show on doctor recruitment. You know, I think that they have some more leverage resources there. I think, you know, still as an independent practice group, you still have to keep up. But, you know, I think you just have to offer something unique there. So from the business perspective, I think for me, if again, if from a scalability and looking through the business stuff, I still always lead, I might sound naive, but, you know, on that we can make a change in vision, right? That this can be a long-term veterinary owned game and keeping a safe space for veterinary medicine and for people to grow as people and to grow as professionals has always been a driver for mine forever. So, you know, and as long as I'm kicking, I feel good. I think I got a lot of years. You know, I just want to grow in that space and share that with people, right? And, you know, take the best of me, right? I don't say don't want another Dr. B, but just take the best of me. So. Yeah, no. And, you know, I, I really respect and, and it's interesting, you know, we've essentially probably talked to, I shouldn't say worked with, but talked to probably, you know, a couple dozen consolidators. And I don't know if you want, you know, someone who did 200 hospitals before, because in most groups that grew that fast, they A, had different thesis than you do. B, they had different philosophy and a very different motivation. A lot of these groups, those that land grab, as the only term I can use, is basically all about, you know, acquiring as many practices as we can as fast. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But as long as you articulate those theses up front to the people you're buying practices from, maybe that's okay. But, you know, in general, I think that as we looked at consolidation in different verticals, it's usually, you know, usually the executive team does it once or maybe someone that has done it twice. And it's not necessarily that it was all glorious and there's a lot to replicate. And so seeing around the corner, I'm not sure if everybody has that skill. Consolidation from what we found out is sort of a once in a lifetime experience or maybe twice. And then there's not a whole lot of material to learn from, you know, so it's maybe grown organically as a team is also there's benefit to that. So you touched a little bit on the talent acquisition, and that's obviously the biggest problem right now in our domain. We've talked to hospitals. And it's just a disaster how many your hospitals are closing, how many, you know, it's just really bad. So having this culture, having this drive, having this purpose behind your organization, do you find that that gives you a little bit upper hand in terms of hiring ability? I think so, right? We actually just, uh, we have a, a doc that's interviewing out here from California. So I think if we can get in front of them, right? And they get to actually meet us, right? Because like you're meeting with our C-Squad. <laughs> when you come out, I mean, we're taking you out to dinner. I mean, we're going to lunch. You're meeting the leadership team that you're actually going to be interacting with and getting to meet locations and docs. 
So I think getting people in front of us and knowing that is an advantage, right? And so I think that that's definitely something that's an advantage. We just got to get them in front, right? I mean, it's just, you know, I think they were talking about seven out of 10, you know, ads or things aren't even clicked on once, right? So, you know, how do you get that three out of 10, right? How do you put what we believe? How do you put passion in an ad? (laughs) So, you know, and so, you know, that's kind of that reformatting piece of how we do that. And for us, you know, I'm doing some video cuts now and trying to do some maybe some different things about how to talk about us and get a message out rather than just, you know, maybe ads or words, right? Because I think ads and words are great, but it doesn't have the impact or the feeling behind what we truly are passionate about. But, you know, the other thing I talked to my teams and our site leaders, I mean, we had a whole one day, right? I said, scrap everything, you know, everything. I want you to rethink your entire vet team, right? How are we going to re-leverage the entire vet team? All of them veterinary support team, client ambassadors, you know, licensed vet tax, VAs, docs, like how are we going to do it? And they came up with some phenomenal ideas and, you know, truly empowering our LVTs and our VAs in their own lane has been amazing, right? I mean, you know, from a, you know, even a production standpoint, right? You know, one of our, we ran a little pilot and I mean, our stronger LVTs can do, you know, three to 4,000 on their own in production in a column. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, for a two or a three doctor practice, that could have real, you know, day-to-day impact, right? So, and actually that's kind of attracting. We're getting some technicians that are coming out of the specialty a little burned out, but they like the empowerment part of that, right? I mean, obviously, you know, in accordance with state law and all the pieces, but, you know, when you fully empower them and, you know, putting it back on teams and engaging them, I think that reminds me of when you're podcast about, I think, continuous improvement. But, you know, I think that, you know, re-engaging the teams and that was super exciting. And, you know, the other thing that gave them is control, right? I think COVID's caused this whole lack of maybe we don't have control over our personal lives, where we can go, what sports we can do. So putting it back into them and helping them reinvent, you know, with some results in mind or, you know, a goal in mind was really quite powerful. So I think, it, you know, re-leveraging the team on that side through recruitment and then allowing our message to kind of resonate and grow, right? You know, again, having that doc come over, out of specialty because he believes in what we do and it's not just words on the wall, you know, has already kind of manifested and we've had a few more doctors calling because, you know, they've seen him move and see the message. So, I, you know, I think that getting in front of them is number one, you know, and I think that that's maybe where some of the larger groups have a larger machine, but, you know, slowly we turn, right? So we're, we're talking to the universities. I love to coach. So I've got mentees at, you know, Michigan State and joining the Michigan State houses and, you know, different things. So I think once we get the message out, and I think that's just really important and, you know, how we mentor, coach and onboard and evolve. I think the other thing unique about us is, you know, some of my docs have been here 22 years. (laughs) Our core group, we're getting ready to go on our Inspire trip to Dominican Republic. We take all of our leadership and docs if they've been here for 10 years or more. We throw a couple of wild cards into, you know, to Dominican Republic to thank them for the time. Right. You know, so that's a little unique because, you know, they started with me as students. Right. So and 22 years later, I've got two of them going for their boarding. One's going for reptile boards. One's going for feline boards. And, you know, I think if you're open and, you know, want to help them develop and evolve. I mean, it's amazing. Dr. Knapp went from a, you know, a guy that does, you know, start as a vet assistant and he learned all the way through Sontech to do echocardiology. And then he went into essential oils. Then he learned all exotic species. And then now he's getting boarded in feline medicine, right? Like, so I think if you support your docs and help them grow, right? Who wants to be static? So, you know, not only personally, but professionally, I think that's the key, right? And so I think sometimes it's the multi-kid syndrome, right? Like I have four children, children too. So, you know, I think it's, you know, those guys have been with us 22 years. So, you know, how do you allocate a little bit more time and show your appreciation for them? You know, we do that kind of through this trip we talked about. But it's also in just remembering to take the extra time, right? And, you know, even me as the leader, I have to pause and step back, right? And send them all a ping on a Saturday sometimes and be like, hey, 
I didn't forget about you. So I love and appreciate you. How are you doing? You know, so, but I think that's it, right? As you get bigger and when you love and care people that much, just making sure the touches you have are real. And because it's been such a long run for us, 22 years and how it's all changed, I still feel the same as I do 22 years ago with them, right? And so, and it's just how you kind of expand that and, you know, help them see that being part of something bigger is better. We're not getting bigger so that we can sell or do any of those pieces. We're getting bigger so that we can do market adjustment salary, that we can do benefits, that we can add in maternity leave, like helping them see the benefit of it as well, so that it just doesn't come into, you know, that there's more people, right? Or more of it. That's great. Well, you know, we always blow through our time here, usually when we're recording, which is always great. We love that because I don't think anyone wants to listen to an episode where we all just sit here and say, um, for 25 minutes. But the two questions we ask every guest, the first one is what book or podcast or TED talk or anything like that would you recommend for people to just sort of glean some of the knowledge that you have? Absolutely. So from a book, Sean Aker's The Happiness Advantage, I'd read it. I think it's impactful and powerful. And then just understanding, you know, how choosing happy can come first before success, and it should. And then what that impact could have to the bottom line and to doctors in general, personally and professionally. Other podcasts, other new guys. So uh, I like Alex Judd's Pathway for Growth. I think he does a really good job. And Craig Grishel's Leadership Podcast. Those are probably the two I listen to the most. I think they have good impact items that I peel back. Yeah. So that would be my two suggestions in the book. Yep. Awesome. Well, then the final question is, what other guest, who else do you think we should have join us on the show that we can learn more from? Fantastic. So, you know, and I had two come to mind, right? Of course, because, you know, I'd have to have two, right? So I think Mark Nathan's a cool guy, right? He started Calico Bank, and he's also a guy that leads with passion. I mean, I think they built Harborvad, and then, you know, I think they're, you know, now into Suvato. But, you know, his passion I've seen from day one, right? And his passion for students and student ownership and some of those pieces. I think he's a cool guy. And if you could rope Alex Judd into the show, he's a hoot. So, um, you know, that's another guy I think's great. From the power of leadership and positive forward movement, you know, I like both those guys. So. That's fantastic. Well, Dr. Bangstall, always a pleasure. Great to see you again. Great to chat with you again. And really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Awesome. It was fun. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ivan. Thank you for what you do and putting out those ideas and bringing people out to help us grow. Choose happy. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com. 